Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 28 of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. Well, the playoffs are officially set. On Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, the AL wildcard and NL wildcard games were played in order to see what teams will take on the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League Division Series and who will play the San Francisco Giants in the National League Division Series. Starting Thursday, October 7th, the Boston Red Sox will face off against the Rays in the nightcap as the White Sox and Astros play the earlier game. The Los Angeles Dodgers will face off against the Giants once again after the Braves play Game 1 against the Brewers on Friday, October 8th. Now, you might be wondering how we got to this point, especially after we almost had a four-way tie and a couple possible Game 163s on our hands. Well, you see, in Game 162, the Mariners just couldn't do enough to fend off the onslaught of the Angels, causing them to lose the game and their hopes for the playoffs. The Blue Jays, on the other hand, did literally everything that they could, winning their final game 12-4 over the Orioles. But the Blue Jays as well missed out on the playoffs, as both the struggling Yankees and the Red Sox won their final game and therefore finished with a better record. So now, it's time for some playoff baseball. I also wanted to start off this episode by recognizing the passing of Eddie Robinson. Eddie played 13 years in the major leagues with nine different teams in that time. He was a four-time All-Star and won the 1948 World Series with the Cleveland Indians as their star first baseman. Eddie served three years in the military during World War II before playing 10 of his 13 seasons in the major leagues. After he retired, he coached for the Braves and the Kansas City Athletics before joining the Texas Rangers front office and becoming general manager. He then finished out his career as a scout for the Boston Red Sox, the only team, by the way, of the quote-unquote original eight American League clubs that he did not play for. Eddie was the oldest living former MLB player at 100 years old. In today's episode of Painting the Corners, I want to talk about some kind of controversial baseball. You see, there have been a lot of really good, fair baseball games in the history of the major leagues. But occasionally, something so bad, something so insanely crazy will happen, making it a controversial and frustrating sport for players, fans, and honestly, even umpires. One perfect example that I found to fit this point was literally called the most controversial game in baseball history. (laughs) I'm not making that up. This game happened between the New York Giants and the Chicago Cubs on September 23, 1908. So, actually, the anniversary of it was just a few weeks ago. And it actually happened to be a deciding game on who would win the National League pennant that year. And get this, it was played at the Polo Grounds. So, a bit of a callback to the uh, Weird Stadiums episode from last week. Chicago took an early lead in the fourth as Joe Tinker hit off of future Hall of Famer Christy Mathewson that got past the right fielder Mike Donlin and into the deep parts of the strangely shaped polo grounds. 
The game was quickly tied, however, thanks to a single by Buck Herzog, as he eventually moved to second on an error and then to third on a sacrifice hit just before being hit home with another single. So, by the time that the ninth inning rolled around, the game was still tied. Now, here comes the really controversial bit of this game. Here's the scene. There's a runner on first base, Moose McCormick, and two outs, with Fred Merkel up to bat. Now, Merkel wasn't really a star player or anything, as he only had 47 plate appearances in the entire 1908 season. But, regardless, he managed to get a single down the right field line that moved McCormick all the way to third. Now, there were runners on the corners with two away. Al Bridwell, the giant shortstop, hit a heat-sinking missile on a first-pitch fastball into center field. McCormick quickly came in to score, which caused the crowd to run out onto the field as it seemed that the walk-off single meant that the game was over. And not only that, but it would have signified that the Giants got the National League pennant, so of course, you know, cause for celebration. Merkel, understandably, saw all of the fans running onto the field and turned away back to the dugout without ever touching second base. Seeing this, the Cubs' second baseman Johnny Evers retrieved the ball, even though some think it was an entirely different ball, and tagged second base, technically resulting in out number three. Now, according to the official MLB rulebook, a run is not scored if the runner advances to home base during a play in which the third out is made, whether that be by any runner being forced out or by a preceding runner who is declared out because he failed to touch one of the bases. Now, I kind of see where they're getting this because Merkel should have gone to second base if it was a single in any other point in the game. But the fact that he didn't ever technically hit second base... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very strange way of seeing this rule. But on the other hand, I feel like you can also tell why it was a terrible decision. I mean, yes, Merkel didn't touch the bag, but the blame shouldn't have gone to him. I mean, Merkel assumed that the game was over, as he should. I mean, as the second base umpire assumed as well. That, and I mean, the third out was already technically called because the Giants pitcher, Joe McGinty, picked up and threw the ball into the crowd, again thinking that the game was over. So that alone technically resulted in an interference call, but I mean, you know, it's just kind of the same. As Hall of Fame umpire Bill Clem puts it, the call was the rottenest decision in the history of baseball as the force rule was meant to apply to infield hits, not balls hit to the outfield. And because of all of the fans on the field and the fact that there were no stadium lights at the polo grounds, the game was called as a tie in the ninth inning due to darkness, and the game was never resumed. Instead, the battle for the pennant went on in the next few days, ending up with the Cubs winning the pennant and then eventually winning the World Series. It's just crazy to think how that decision really changed the entire history of baseball. A lot of the other games I'll cover in just a second kind of follow a similar theme. Unlucky plays, coupled with some bad calls, leading to a lot of just bad situations. 
like in the much more recent 2012 National League wildcard game between the Cardinals and the Braves, where a kind of similar situation unfolded. You see, the game ended up with the Cardinals winning 6-3, but at one point in the 8th inning, the game was all of the sudden really close. The Braves had runners on 1st and 2nd, with a single out on the board. A base hit would make the game, I mean, very interesting. Andrelton Simmons, the Brave shortstop, was up at the plate. He ended up hitting a fly ball into, honestly, no man's land, into left field that dropped between the Cardinal shortstop Pete Kuzma and left fielder Matt Holliday. Now, for playoff games, the umpiring crew grows from four umpires to six, as two umpires are placed in right field and left field. So on this pop fly, the left field umpire, Sam Holbrook, called an infield fly rule. Now, the infield fly rule is defined as a fair fly ball, not including a line drive or a bunt, which can be caught by an infielder with ordinary effort, and that's the important bit, ordinary effort, when first and second, or first, second, and third bases are occupied before two are out. But the thing is, it was not an ordinary play for either fielder. If you watch the video, you see Kuzma running honestly like a quarter mile into left field to try and chase this ball down, much like Matt Holliday was doing as well. So instead of the bases being loaded with one out, there were now runners on second and third base with two outs. And, you know, fans, understandably, started littering the field with trash, bottles and hats that were being thrown in such great quantities that the game had to be delayed for 19 minutes <laughs> to give the grounds crew a chance to clean all of it up. I mean, they even had to go so far as putting an announcement through the PA system at Turner Field warning the fans that the game was subject to forfeiture by the umpires if they continued to throw stuff on the field. After the delay, the Braves manager, Freddy Gonzalez, asked to put the game under protest, which was denied shortly after the game by the MLB Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations, Joe Torre, as Joe kind of explained that it was simply just a judgment call. You know, some would argue a bad judgment call, but a judgment call nonetheless. After the final out was recorded in the game, however, both teams had to rush off the field as angry fans started throwing more and more stuff onto the field. The 2002 Major League All-Star Game also ended in a very controversial manner, as the game was called in the seventh inning, because not just one, but both of the teams completely ran out of available pitchers. So, with the game tied at seven apiece, it ended. There was no MVP award given out, and really all the fanfare was sort of just snuffed out right then and there. However, after the game, the MLB decided to do a vote to award two players from the American League and the National League this kind of MVP status that they would have maybe gotten in the game. Johnny Damon and Andrew Jones were the winners of that MVP award, so I guess there is a little bit of silver lining to that one. However, while we're on the topic of controversial All-Star games, what about the 1957 MLB All-Star game, which was already so controversial before the game was even played? You see, back then, voting players into the All-Star game was 
not really unlike how it is now. You go and vote on players that you want to see representing the American League and the National League as well. Well, the Cincinnati Redleg fans decided that they only wanted to see their team (laughs) represented in the All-Star game, and they almost got their wish. By the time that the final votes were counted, almost the entire starting lineup for the Redlegs was elected. Save George Crow, who was beaten out by the Cardinals' first baseman, Stan Musial. However, only just beaten. Seven of the starting eight fielders were still in either way, which in turn launched an investigation by the then MLB commissioner, Ford Frick. They found that the majority of the ballots cast came from Cincinnati. Apparently, newspapers would print pre-marked ballots with the entire Red Legs starters that would then be distributed with the paper, reminding fans to go out and vote for the Red Legs. Bars and restaurants had the ballots as well, some of which wouldn't even serve their customers until they filled out one of the ballots. (laughs) Like, they wanted to make sure that their entire team made the All-Star game. Frick in turn suspended the fans' voting rights, a right that wouldn't be restored until 1970, and gave Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews, Ernie Banks, and Red Shandienst positions in the game. The game itself, however, was not controversial in the slightest, but honestly a rather exciting one instead. The game finished with a 6-5 victory for the American League, which was truly well-deserved, as both the American League and the National League scored three runs in their halves of the ninth inning. So I guess you could say as well for this one that, yeah, maybe there was a little bit of silver lining. I just think it's hilarious that something like this has never really happened again. I feel like this topic, I mean, like most of the podcasts that I've done and covering the material that I have so far, I mean, we are really only just scratching the surface of these controversial games in the entire history of the MLB. There are probably millions out there. But you see, more often than not, I feel like a game could be marked as controversial if there was just one bad call or a bad play, I mean, whether or not it had any effect on the overall outcome of the game. And I mean, thinking about that, kind of just in the general scheme of sports, not even just baseball. I mean, it's kind of the case. And that's honestly the beauty behind it. I mean, people make mistakes and, you know, yeah, it's not fun when it happens, but, you know, it does happen. So next week's episode, we're going to be continuing on with this idea behind the weirder and sometimes darker sides of baseball. You see, MLB players have gone on strike against the league eight times, in which 1,737 regular season and playoff games have been missed. So, we'll talk about what happened in these seasons, what caused the stoppages, and how they were resolved eventually. Thank you for listening.